0: We'd like to thank our sponsors Westcott in association with JP Distribution for sponsorship of the He Shoots, He Draws podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Joel Grimes and you're listening to He Shoots, He Draws. Welcome to the He
0: Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hi and welcome back to He Shoots He Draws. Now you are in for an absolute treat this week because Glyn and I have just finished recording an interview that we've both just sat there with our jaws on our desks. So Glyn, do you just want to tell everyone who it is and what it was about?
2: Yeah, this this was an interview that I know we both wanted to do and we've wanted to do since we started. It's with Joel Grimes who... I, I I don't even know how to begin explaining it, but I've always Joel's always been someone that I've really looked up to ever since I started out in this whole photography world. Everything about his work, his his work ethic, his outlook, just everything. This guy, just, he just he just ticks all the boxes, and is to say he's a friend. I still have to pinch myself now. But what yeah. we have just gone through in this interview. I mean, we literally have. We finished doing the recording. We both kind of leant back in our chairs and put our heads to our uh, hands to our heads and went, "Oh my god, Joel covers everything." We've both gone into this with a list of things we wanted to cover with Joel, and it was almost like it was rehearsed. He knew the kind of stuff that people want to hear, and just let him go for it. And it was just absolutely
0: priceless information. Yeah, and also, if you are going to sit down and listen to this sit down and listen to it this is one of those where you know we've both listened to a lot of podcasts this is definitely one where you need to sit down and just take it all in grab a cup of tea a sandwich whatever and just listen to it because it is compelling stuff and as like i always say as the non-photographer listening to joel has seriously just made me want to go and get my camera out and have another crack at it because what he was talking about was so inspiring but also so useful it's just it, so much it, useful it just information covered
2: stuff about how to learn the craft talked about projects he talked some incredible stuff which i hadn't even considered regards to the business side of it and how you can go about getting clients i mean he shared it and he's like oh my god I didn't even think of that so uh, we, we could do an episode talking about the lead in to yeah. joel <laughs> grimes episode but we, let's just get on with this let's just yeah. say joel who are you
1: Well, uh, for 40 years, well, actually 30 years, I looked at myself as a photographer, Uh, and then about 10 years ago, I kind of changed, and I look at myself as an artist with a set of tools, so that mindset change really has drastically uh, changed the way my images look, so I've been doing commercial advertising for, you know, 35 plus years, Uh Uh, but now I look at myself more as an artist with just all these incredible tools that we have. And I still, you might force me to say I'm a photographer, but really uh, I'm an artist with a set of tools.
2: Now, okay, so we, we, we did actually have a running order of things that me and Dave were going to run through, but now you mention it, I'm going to kind of jump forward on this one then because as soon as you sort of mentioned the the, the artist word. Now, I, I've obviously, you know, we're, we're friends. I've seen you speak and I've seen you mention the artist word. You know, many times it's something that you do, kind of see yourself out. Because what's that quote that you've got? You've never ceased to be an artist or never ceased to see yourself as an artist. Me, not coming from an artistic background, I only got involved in this in the, the whole digital world. Your background is an art background, right?
1: Well, I studied fine arts and that's what so I got my degree in, yes.
2: Right. So why, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, I guess. Why do you say that you see yourself as an artist when some people would say, well, you're a photographer?
1: Because... Um, I studied photography and I had to get all my other curriculum out of the way too, but I got a degree in photography. I studied a lot of art history. I had to take drawing, painting, all those things, but I was a photographer and I worked within the photographer box. And what's really interesting is photographers tend to think alike. They're very predictable. They repeat the same things other photographers are doing. We have terminologies we use, all those things. And, Um, it wasn't until the digital revolution came along and I started doing composites that people started to challenge me and say, you're no longer a photographer. You're a illustrator or whatever. And I would defend the photographer thing. I'd say, you know, Ansel Adams manipulated his images and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, there's no such thing as reality. It's all an illusion to some degree, blah, blah, blah. So I went through all that. For a year, I literally would get red in the face and defend myself as a photographer. And then one day, the heavens opened and, you know, the sun (laughs) parted, you know, the clouds. And I had this revelation that, wait a minute, uh, when I defend myself and try to define what a photographer is, it became very difficult in some ways. Because we all have a little bit different definition and then all of a sudden the rules started changing. And I I had this revelation that, wait a minute, I'm just an artist. And I have all these things, I have a camera, Photoshop. And the reason why that's so important to have that mindset shift was because if you look at my work prior to that and you look at my work after, you can see that all of a sudden my images took on a whole new look. And like, I'll give you an example the girl that's got the blown out background, she's got the tree, the kind of roots of the tree. She's white, you know, like an angelic, you know, there's hardly no mid-tones in that image. Now that was a big no-no for a photographer. You had to have all the tones from the pure blacks to the pure whites, but the mid-tones, everything had to be represented. That's what I was taught. And exposure was a huge thing. Get the correct exposure. So, With that image, I made a statement that said, wait a minute, can I create this picture and put it out there and can I call it, well, first of all, it has to be a success for me. But can I say, I'm Joel Grimes, this is what I do and be accepted in the industry? Well, at first people looked at that and said, that looks like a painting. Is that real? What's going on here? And I said, well, it's just two photographs. Two images now, did you did
2: Joel? When somebody said that, because there's a photograph that you've done and you've just said there's no midtones really, it's, it's sort of shadows, highlights, and somebody turns around to you and says, "That's more like a painting." How how do you react to that? Is that like a compliment as you've seen it, or is that like a whoa? Hold on a second. How do you view that?
1: That's a compliment.
2: It's a compliment, right? Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah, so now it's a compliment because I realize that I'm forcing the issue, I'm changing the rules, I'm am I'm, I'm not stuck at the traditional approach to being a photographer. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being at, looked at and think like a traditional photographer. Nothing's wrong with that? If someone says, I want to be large format, shoot eight by 10 film, and that's what I want to do the rest of my life, fine. I say, you know, my hat goes off to you. Yeah, But there's nothing wrong with us creating a new way of looking at the world around us Certainly, through yeah. the tools we have. And I once I had that mindset, I sort of became a... It put me in the forefront of the debate, yeah. of what was going on.
2: Yeah. I didn't know that
1: at the time. I wasn't thinking I wanted to be at the forefront of the debate. It just sort of forced me into it, and then I realized that I was on the right track because now people would come up to me and say, yeah, you're, "You're not that," yeah, you know, or they get upset, and and I'd say, "I'm doing something right." Yes. And so um, now you look at that image; it's not as probably you know a controversial look but 10 years ago it was people or nine years ago whenever I end up taking that eight years ago so
2: so what about the, the the compositing side of things then so obviously you've that was one that was pretty much how I got to know about you before we first met was from the the compositing that obviously you your ability to do that is very much a combination of photography and the traditional art but Am I right in saying that the kind of the the, the three-light setup, because I've always known that as the Joel Grimes setup uh, and combined to it, is that something that, you again, that you kind of thought, this is how I'm going to do it? Was that your look that you came up with?
1: Yeah. Well, I sat down. I was a one-light cross-light. Yeah. Uh, for 25-plus years, 30 years, I did one-light cross-light. And it, 2006, 7, 8 was a weird time, and and the advertising – arena because I'm sure I'm an advertiser shooter, a shooter and the ad agency started shutting down the the my income crashed we had to sell our house 50 cents on the dollar I mean it was a <laughs> oh. bad time in history and and I was I was doing I was living my dream had all the toys I wanted I had a great beautiful home things life was good and all of a sudden it came to a complete halt and I had to ask myself am I done yet is there more? Can I offer the world or as an artist? Can I do, am I done? And I said, no, I'm not done. And so I said, well, what's What's the steps that I need to move on to the yeah. next level? And I said, I got to learn lighting. And I, I, so I understood the cross light pretty well. And I'd mastered it. I shot it, if not 10,000 portraits, 20,000 portraits in mm. 35 years. All of a sudden I said, I, I've never, I've never, ever once taken a light and put it over the top of the lens. Mm. Didn't even know what that looked like. What mm. does that do? I, I mean, and so what I did was I sat down and I looked at some images. And then I sat down I said, well, I pull an image out of a magazine, like a beautiful ad, black and white. And I'd say, how can I do that? So I'm, I'm 50 years old.
2: You're not. No, no way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, young, you youngsters. <laughs> well, now I'm 60. But I'm saying at that time I was 50 years old. So it wasn't right. like I was... I was, you know, just in college trying to figure out... See, like, now, now I feel I bad did.
2: now because you said I'm 50. I'm like, no, you're not. And that's not <laughs> me saying... And he said, no, I'm, I'm actually going, I'm on 60.
1: 60 but, oh, okay, move on. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't look a day over 70. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't feel a day over 70. <laughs> yeah. Damn,
0: but For the first time in an interview, I actually feel young.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... I'm, I'm always the oldest in the room. I want you to feel good. So I'm here to make that happen. <laughs> um, my point is, is that... At, even at 50, this is good news for, you know, people that are saying, hey, look, is it over for me? I'm 50. No, yeah. it's not. Or is it 60? Is it over? No. Not so you're early. 70? No, it's not over. It's never over. Yeah. So my point is, is that I sat down and I said, what do I need to do to learn lighting? Because I didn't have formal training light. I was a fine art photographer. I had to learn strobes, but I kind of left it at a certain point and then I didn't go beyond it. I would, I would do a group shot and I'd put some big umbrellas up and just blast light on a group. That's about <laughs> it. I shot the uh, the Broncos team portrait, the Rockies team portrait. But I didn't understand lighting like I really needed to. Yeah. So what I did was I took – so I had a few modifiers but not very many. I had a beauty dish that I bought. I never knew what to do with it. I just hung it up in my garage on a hook. I had a, you know a medium softbox. I had a big, large softbox, but I hardly ever used it. In fact, it was so old, it was molding. And so I thought, okay, let me, I didn't have much money because we were literally living on, you know, peanut butter and, you know, jelly sandwiches. But I said, I've got to go and learn this crack the code. So what I did was I bought every modifier, I bought some modifiers and I took subjects in and I said, what would an overhead light do? And so I would see someone use a round modifier over the top of their camera, and I think, "What's the difference between a, a round modifier and a rectangular modifier?" Yeah. So I'd see one photographer doing one thing. I'm like, "Oh, that's cool," and then I'm like, "Wait, that photographer's doing it different, but he's got cool stuff. What is going on here?" And so, <laughs> so, and then I would go and try to duplicate what they were doing, and it would fall flat. So I'm thinking, what am, "What's what's the code?" And so once. I'd bring my kids in and I'd bribe them. I'd give them a candy bar or a soda pop to get them to sit. And they'd go, Dad, not again. And they look really, you know, like, please stop it. And I would shoot them and then I would go back and I would sit there and look at the images. And then I'd go back and I'd try something different. And it wasn't until I thought, okay, um, if I – I never used an edge light. Or I used to say I never used a hair light because – You know, reasons that I'm not going to tell you. No. (laughs) No. I guess. But an edge light or a hair light, I never used that little kicker light. Yeah. I'd see people doing it, but I'm like, I don't know. It's not my thing, right? So I thought, hmm, why have I never used an edge light? So I thought, I'm going to try one. So I tried one and it was too harsh. I thought, well, how do I soften it up? I'm sitting there scratching my head going, hmm, okay, wait. It's too small. Okay, so I got a bigger modifier and I'd shoot an edge light. Ooh, that's better, but it's in the picture or it's hmm. causing flare. Or, anyways, so for about a year, I literally tried every scenario. And I'd lay in bed and I'd think, oh, I haven't done this one. Let me go and try that I grab a subject. And then one day I thought, what if I had two kicker lights or edge lights and one overhead light? Well, what would happen? I brought this guy in and I did it. And I was like, and I told Amy, I said, I think I've got my new lighting. (laughs) Literally at the day I shot that for the first time, I thought, I think I'm onto something. And then I repeated it, not just hundreds of times, but thousands of times. Yeah, yeah. And so I became the expert at the three light approach. And so that's what put me on the map. So I tell people, I said, you know, you can be brilliant, but if you don't practice it a thousand times, nobody will know about
2: it. Yeah. And it's that that what I can just see it now because bear in mind you're saying now you've been a photographer for forty years I think you're saying. Yes. It's Just watching you now on the camera there you you're so kind of you know the hands are going you you're still so really into this aren't you And that's what that's what I find exciting is that you're really loving this because I always see you as somebody who's who's not just staying at the same kind of thing and repeating repeating repeating. You're always looking for new stuff because I remember. You, we were spoken before. You were telling me, "Oh, God, I got to find a new technique." I think this is when we were at Photoshop World. You goes, oh, "I'm trying out a new technique." You know the HDR, I'm bracketing using ISO. So you're yeah. you're always experimenting, and I love that. I love the fact that you're so kind of curious to find out new ways to create new looks and stuff. So
1: well, I have to, yeah. I have to because I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. <laughs> so I have to practice a lot, and I have to re- revisit a problem over and over and over again. And yeah. and then I, people say I'm brilliant. Yeah, at the end of it, and I go, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, you only, yeah,
2: you only see the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So with the the uh, one the thing I, I know because Dave's got loads of wants to ask you about, but one thing I want to mention was about the project side of things because you're saying there that the, the, the lighting, you don't just do it a few, you know, a hundred times. You do it thousands of times. One thing that I took from you in the really early part of my kind of creative career, if you like was projects i always heard you talking about projects and whenever we spoke you mentioned about projects because what i used to do and i guess this is pretty much the same for everybody is that when you uh you're looking for time to go and do a picture that you want to do for yourself you put a lot of effort and thought into it you do that and then it's kind of once you've done it you then go hmm now what and then you have to kind of restart that process what can i do next but you were saying get yourself a project and don't just do one picture do 20 pictures in that project or if you're going to choose a style do it 20 times so it becomes second nature you don't give a thought about so I kind of know why projects are important to me and I know the value they've given me in helping me to move on but how, what would you say to people now then if you were going to explain the value of doing a project
1: well okay so let's say you um, we were invited to uh, to a motocross uh, there goes my phone hold on a second it's my mom. No, <laughs> so I'm you
2: could have said that was like Coca-Cola or Adidas or something, but yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if someone invited you to a um, motocross event, and let's say you never had been to a motocross event, they said, hey, bring your cameras. And so you get out there and they say, we got a pass for you. You can get right on the edge of the where the motorcycles are coming by. And you're like, oh. And let's say you have 30 years of experience of photo- photographing, but you've never been to a motocross event, I guarantee you, you you'd have neck pains because just as you're getting to turn this way, a motorcycle's flying over your head this way and you'd be missing every shot because you don't know what is going on, Yeah. right? You can't anticipate what's going on. You're not an expert on motocross. And so you go, okay, uh, well, number one, I got to bring some earplugs next time
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> and then you go the next time and you go, okay, You know, getting in this spot wasn't very good. I'm going to go over here and get this angle, and because now I'm a long lens guy, I want longer lens, whatever. And after about ten motocross events, you kind of get it figured out. Yeah. You know, at a hundred motocross events, you are being you're now on the cover of motocross magazine. Yes. So it's 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 that repeating something over and over. So it's not just motocross, but just think about, um, like like when you take like this Harley Davidson concept that I did. Yes. Um yeah. and and I I I'm a portrait photographer, right? So you say at this point I'm 60 years old, I better know how to take a portrait. But when I when I had my uh, assistant Brad, uh I met him in Georgia, Brad Bud, and he's this big tattooed guy, party rider, big old beard, and I figured I might as well get an assistant that looks like a writer because I didn't. <laughs> but he sat in the car, and I, and we are getting ready to go. 100 days, 13,000 miles. I said, Brad, I said, it's going to take me 100 portraits of Harley riders before I know what I'm doing. And he looks at me, and he's like, you're Joel Grimes, the portrait hmm. master. What are you talking about? I go, you wait. You watch. <laughs> so, and what I meant by that was, is that, even though I'm a portrait photographer, I don't know the Harley culture. But even if I knew the Harley culture, how you approach Harley writers yeah. to get them in front of you is an art form in itself. Then you have a very short window of time to do something. So you get your perfect subject and they're going, you got 20 minutes and I got to leave. And you're like, your little brain is flying 100 miles an hour. What do I do? How do I get this guy? What, what's, you know, and it's like, it takes a while to be able to formulate how you approach a subject you know, what lighting you're going to use. And and so um, by the end of the summer, I had photographed roughly 100 portraits, roughly 100 Harley-Davidson bikes. And at the end of the trip, when Brad was leaving, I said, I'm now an expert at photographing Harley-Davidson bikes and an expert at Harley-Davidson riders. And you, and and you, you mean that,
2: me, don't you? You're not joking. You actually mean it. No, now I mean, that you've done I that mean much.
1: it. I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. So if Harley-Davidson called yeah. me, I'm the guy that – is going to do it right because I know it now. And so it, but, but I guess that's my point is that, and here's the beauty. Here is the beauty of photography and the world (laughs) we live in. You can't be an expert at everything.
2: Yeah, Yeah. So that
1: opens the door for surfers. So you say, I love surfers. I'm going to go to California or go where they hang out in Hawaii and photograph the surfing culture. I don't have time to do Harley Davis and surfing, motocross or whatever it is. You can only do so much in life. And so the beauty is I can teach you what I know about building a body work, lighting techniques and all this. And then you take that and go out and do your thing because I'll never in a lifetime be able to do it. So I I never feel any threat to it, except, you know, if you're better looking than me. No, I don't feel a threat. With someone and passing on what I'm doing because I realize the world's too big for me to be be, uh, really crossing, you know, someone else's. And it might be. There might be someone who's doing Harley Davidson riders. But in some ways, if I see that, that just motivates me a little little bit more to do a better job. Yeah. So a little competition is or any competition is a good thing.
2: I I'm just curious then, just, sorry, Dave, I can't help but ask about this kind of stuff, but that, because pro- I love the project <laughs> thing, you've gone off, I remember you talking about when you were saying, right, I'm now going to be going off and doing this Holly Davidson project, a, a personal project for you, 100 portraits, were they prearranged or, or was it a case no. of going to locations and thinking, well, there's yep. some, let's go and, wow, yep. okay.
1: Let me ask you, let me ask you something. <laughs> How difficult is it to drive into a little town in Podunk, USA, and begin the process of finding a Harley-Davidson rider to shoot.
2: I can't even begin to imagine how you first did that. I really can't.
1: It is difficult. So I was about 40 days into the project. And I was doing a Facebook Live. And Brad was holding the camera. And he was you know filming me. And I'm talking. I'm sharing. I'm saying, okay, you put the light here. Do this and all this stuff. And someone pipes in and says, Joel, you're not even done with the project. And you're telling everyone how to do it. You're you're giving all your secrets away. You're not even done, and so Brad reads it to me, and I said, "I got forty days on you. Catch me yeah. if you can. <laughs> you know." And it cost me thirty thousand dollars of my money. Who's got that laying around? Seriously, wow. Hundred days on the road. How do you? I mean, that's a lot of money. Wow. To
0: put into it. yeah, I. That's what one of my questions was. Uh, I was going to lead into was, obviously, you're putting in all these hours uh, to like do the hundred of everything. And as a father as well, I wanted to talk to you about your work-life balance because you're talking about, you know, eating peanut butter and jelly for, for dinner because you're spending money on equipment, but you've also got four kids and you're on the road and you're spending money. So how did, how did you get find that balance to continue doing what you're doing and raise a family?
1: Well, kids aren't important. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's true. laughs> Well, okay, so you know, if you're a sailor, and you're in the army, and you're gone for a year, that's a tough gig. I think that's harder yeah. than what I've done. Yeah. You know, there's people that work on oil rigs and they're out for four months at a time or three months out on the rig. I used to do mining uh, um, shoots for mining companies. I'd be in South America and I'd meet someone. They say, "Yeah, I've been gone for six months from home." Whoa. So. Wow. you know, when you're when you have to be a provider for your family, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy thing to do. And so I've had to say, look, okay, I want to provide for my family and I love what I do, I'm a photographer, and I gotta pay I gotta pay the price for that to some degree. And now one of the things we did was we homeschooled our kids.
2: Right. Okay. So
1: when I came home, we we have fun. We go camping, we go we'd just go and absorb those kids for two weeks and then I'd be off again somewhere. So you know, I guess ask my boys. I think they'll tell you that. You know, except for when I spanked them, um, uh, <laughs> I was a pretty good dad. But uh, you know, I mean, it's not easy. No, it's not easy to do the balance, and and I don't really have a uh, an answer for anyone other than what I did for me. So yeah, but it is a challenge.
2: I, I, do you mind if I just I've I've still got my teeth into this Harley Davidson project? So I think it's fascinating. I didn't know that you weren't pre pre portraits. Just a quick one. Is there is there anything that sticks in your mind? as thinking. oh, yeah. Do you remember that when that happened, when you're on the road? Was there any kind of things when you? Because I ask this because sometimes you get. I've got this project which I kind of pick up every now and again called Anytime Anywhere Portrait. So I've got this like minimal kit that when I'm out in a coffee shop, if I see somebody, I go, Hey, I like you know like the look of them, and I'll approach them, and I will see if I can take a portrait with a light and what have you. And I get people saying, My God, how do you do that? And it's just kind of, how, obviously you just kind of, you adapt to the people that you're around, don't you? But how, have you got any kind of, can you think of one instant that happened when you're on the road then for that, all that time, going to these guys, these big burly guys to ask them for a portrait? Cause that must, the, the looks you must've had.
1: Here's another thing that I learned when I photographed the Navajo people. I spent, uh, it was a two year project. I spent 200 days living out of a Volkswagen pop-up Volks you know, camper. And, um, I learned something that I've taken with me, and that is when I enter from my little world into someone else's world, so I'm going from, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a Harley-Davidson writer, so I'm entering into the Harley-Davidson world, the first thing I never do is act like I'm an expert in their field because they'll pick that out a mile away, Yeah. right? So, you know, putting on the the, the rub-on tattoos wasn't a good (laughs) idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that little pull-on sleeve that you can get. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but here's what I win people over with. I approach them like I. Okay, you said that one moment. I was. Photog- I went to a, a biker bar in uh, North Carolina, and that's pretty intimidating. And there was this guy. He ended up. I photographed him. His name is Ed. Uh, he's in the I think the very first portrait on my website, Joel Graham's workshop or joelgrams.com, dot com under Harley Davidson, the first uh, image. Cool. And I saw him, and I'm like, I got to have this guy. This guy's perfect. And um, I went up to him, and you you don't approach a Harley Davidson looking writer type guy if they're a member of a club, because there's okay. rules that they can't be photographed. So you know, you, you got to know. And so he looked like he was a club. And so the first thing that Brad did was to find out if he was an active club guy. Um, and he said, no, he's not. So we approached him and I had my iPad. And I said, let me explain to you what I'm doing with enthusiasm, hmm. showing pictures. And I said, I would just love to do a portrait of you. And I, I, I always say this, that I'm pretty confident that I can get a picture of you. That's the best image that's ever been photographed of you. And so sometimes they say no. And some. And he said, yeah, sure, not today, but tomorrow. And so we waited around, and then we got him and got my picture. And also that bar let me go and, and photograph a Harley inside the bar. They cleared out the bar for 15 minutes. We rolled the Harley in. I shot it, and then rolled it out. What? So – um, you know, people see what I'm doing. And then one of the guys came up to me later, because we spent about three days in that little area. And he and he came up and we'd asked him to photograph him at the beginning. He said no. And then at the very end, he came up to me and said, I would love it if you could do my portrait. And I said, Oh, sure. Uh, and and why did you change your mind? He said, I really wanted to to see if you were real. If you were real.
2: Yeah.
1: And and um So you have to win people over by your enthusiasm and the fact that I'm an honest guy and it and it translates. If I'm pulling and sneaky, they'll they'll pick it up right away. Yeah. Hmm. So so I tell them straightforward. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what you know. And so I'd say it's the art of recruiting. You have to learn the art of recruiting. See, I used to think that you had to be a good photographer to make it. (laughs) <laughs> we, we have so many hats we have to wear Yes, and one of them is the, the art of recruiting and you have to be able to approach somebody and have the enthusiasm to win them over and um, yeah, it's a skill set
2: and and also I guess it's a case of get to know the technical so that they don't dominate it when you're actually wanting to deal with someone and take their picture because if you're being distracted by how do I do this, how do I do it with that camera with the lighting you're going to completely ruin the moment, aren't you?
1: yeah, well and the other thing too is when, when, when I do, uh, very, very famous athletes, people ask me, do you get nervous when you're photographing some famous athlete? And I say, not if I'm doing the Joel Grimes look. Hmm. Cause I know that I can do that in my sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really yeah. my confidence comes not from I'm a cocky person. My confidence comes from the fact that I've repeated enough times to where. Nobody has to wait for me. Yeah. I make it, I move fast, yeah. and I do it, and
2: I'm done. Yeah, you know you can do it, so that's in the bag. Yeah. It's just a
0: case of then yeah. just getting that rapport and yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the photo now of Ed. It's, it, it, I, I'd i be too scared to even make eye contact <laughs> with him. <laughs> but it's a cracking it, crack portrait. You've, he's not... It You know, he's got a total stare at you. It's not like he's trying to be anything else. He's not smiling. He's exactly how I imagined to walk into a bar and see him looking. He's got a great tattoo of a ship on his chest and barbed wire around his neck. He's scaring me now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is I stitched that. So I did. I have my my gimbal that allows me to get my nodal point. I I set my 24 to 70 at 50 millimeters. I shoot horizontal. I do one click, two clicks, three wow. clicks. And then I put it together in one final image, which gives me 120 to 30 megapixel capture. Then I printed out it. I did a reveal that we did a Sue Bryce, the Portrait Masters thing. I did this thing where we it was a, a 90 by 85 inch print. We put black cloth over it. And then I did my talk. And at the end, I pulled oh, the black cloth super. up. And it was just sitting there and then we put it out in the in the in the lobby area and people could come right up to it and that's at 200 dpi it's not quite one to or you know no interpolation literally it's like you just go up to it and yeah. every detail is perfect
0: wow so yeah you were doing this project at Adobe Max a couple of years ago weren't you
1: um i think i started it there similar i started the concept yeah. there yeah and then i that was before i did, i was doing bearded guys
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah and then I went and said, "Wait, I could do this with Harley Davidson." So that kind of gave me confidence to go off to do that project.
2: Yeah, just just quickly on that, then just one last thing on that project. And I guess every project that you do, the people that you photograph, uh, do they get a print? It's just you know random. I give
1: them a, a digital file. Right. Okay. Yeah, I send them a digital file, A low res for social media, high res for their needs.
2: Well, all right. So I'm I'm dying to ask. Dave. I guess I can see Dave.
0: Um, no, I'm enjoying listening to this. It's like. I'm not even a photographer, and it's like everything Joel's saying. It's like this is like our 25 episodes all in one episode. It's all these things we've been saying culminating in – we should have just interviewed Joel (laughs) and (laughs) retired. Right, I'm
2: dying to ask because I know that you and Amy have been posting out just kind of little teasers about it, but there's this Joel Grimes Academy. Now, I know nothing about it. Can you let us know more about it? Are you able to say at the moment?
1: Yeah, no, I, we're going to release it. I think the end of next week. Um, we're really close. Um, I've been I've been thinking about this for a long time, and the reason why I wanted to do this is because I had my core tutorials that I kind of put together, and I started out with a, a Rebel and iMovie, and then the production value got a little bit better, a little bit better. You get better cameras, better audio, better, you know, and and. And so, so I've kind of updated a couple of my tutorials, but like, for example, on lighting, I try to teach lighting basically in one hour tutorial, which is really hard to do. And so I can been waiting for an opportunity to have a platform that would allow me to do like, say 10 hours of lighting instead of one hour. And so, um, so, and the new shift is to this membership academy kind of, you know, format and now with with all these new platforms instead of having a custom platform built fifty thousand dollar mm. you know price tag you can get on for a hundred dollars a month you get on teachable yeah and you know it's still not a work but so we i have recorded uh i started last fall but i in the last really three months i've kicked in high gear because i spent 300 days on the road last year mm. so and then we wow sold a house bought a house sold our uh, Amy's parents' house, bought them or put them in assisted living, my parents' house, moved them, and then her dad passed away about a month ago. I mean, we've had just this last like five months of just craziness. So we're a little bit behind right now, but I've recorded 100 tutorials and they're broken down into categories like the craft, that's all the technical, the retouch, obviously that's the editing Photoshop side, I have um, the artist, so I talk about the creative side. Um, how do you overcome when someone says you suck? How do you overcome that hmm. as an artist? You know, or you get a, you go to knock on a door and you're, you know, you can't wait to get your portfolio in front of someone. And they tell you you get out of photography. That happened to me. My very first portfolio showing. Um, uh, we have the business side. So how do you get work? Yeah, that's that's huge, right? And then, um, so we have the craft, the the retouch, the business, the artist, well, and start to finish. So start to finish is instead of talking about like lighting or a specific thing, I just go and I do the whole shoot and whatever comes out, comes out. If I use one light, I use 10 lights. I just show the thing. I retouch it and there, that's it. So you get to see anything that comes up throughout the shoot. So, um, we're getting ready to go for it and pull the, push the button, say launch, and see what happens. It, it, who knows what'll happen? I mean, it's a risk, and you know, um, I may be working at the grocery store stocking, uh, you know, <laughs> what you groceries. like. <laughs> <laughs> well listen
2: you've got one member coming believe me
0: <laughs> yeah. definitely and if he works in a grocery store you know he'll be the best packager absolutely because <laughs> he'll do I'll it pick- over a <laughs> hundred
1: times right, yeah i've right. packed over a hundred bags mate yeah i only drop the eggs three times before i get figure out how to do it <laughs> but um yeah so the academy we're doing that i'm really excited about it we're going to have i'm calling it the 50 self-assignment club so um, I keep promoting this, you know, do 50 self-assignments in a year. It's one a week, roughly. Yeah. Um, and that will launch you. That will, if you do 50 self No, no client involved, no being paid. This is your time, your money, your investment. And you go and produce a picture for you once a week. And you, it's, it's going to be somewhat of an honor system, but you got to produce some pictures that we can see then you get a certificate saying you become part of the 50 self-assignment.
2: Oh, fantastic. We've got
1: um, some other things coming in with the academy we're going to do that will be fun to get people excited. Now, Now, to me, and you know this because both of you are instructors. You know this. You can give someone all the secrets and they don't do anything with it. Yeah. And so one of the goals that I have is to get people, I say, off their fat butts and out into the world creating images. Get off. Quit watching TV, eating potato chips. Get out and work. And, and so, um, and I have a, I have a just a blast shooting pictures. Even at the, the ripe old age of 60, I'm still having the time of my life. And I hope that I got a cane and I'm hobbling around still taking <laughs> pictures. I mean, it, you know, it's, I hope it never ends until well, one day it will. But I'm saying until until I am in the box, uh, I'm going to be keep on taking pictures. So um, it's more of an inspirational. I think as a, as an instructor, I'm shifting my gear a little bit. I love techniques, but I'm shifting a little bit to say I'm more of a coach. Right. I have to be a coach to inspire people to move forward. Yeah. And mm. um, that's exhausting, too, as an instructor. I want to get out and do a photo
2: shoot now. You've got me right. <laughs> You've got me really
0: kind of riled
1: up I now. I want to go out and do some pictures. That's good. you know? I'm
0: like, if this is the last episode we <laughs> ever do, this is the best. <laughs> we've gone out on a massive high. <laughs> oh well, man, good.
2: that does. I've got to say, that sounds fantastic. It really does because it's covering everything there. Because you do get people asking about the business side of it, and it seems to be something that's never really covered because. I don't know. People don't either want to talk about it, or they they don't feel confident to talk about it, or what. But you seem to be doing.
0: That's everything. That's
2: everything. I love you know, I love the you know, idea
0: of the fifty fifty assignments. Personality thing. comes into it as well, definitely, because you know we've met some very extrovert photographers and very introvert photographers, and you have said there's people out there who are amazing that you'll never yeah. know about because they don't get the, they don't put themselves out there. No, and
1: I and I was very shy in high school, into college, I was pretty shy. I could knock on a door, exert myself in the marketplace. I had to learn how to do that. Well, as you know, as instructors, the first time you get in front of a group of people, it's a little nerve-wracking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, didn't yeah. do that a hundred times. It's not so bad. Then the groups get bigger. Then you get a little nervous. You say, I got a thousand people in front of me. Oh, a little <laughs> nervous. Well, then you do about you know 20 or 30 of those and you go, hey, it's no big deal. You get on stage, just do your thing. Yeah. And that's no different with anything, showing your portfolio or whatever. The more times you get through that process, the easier it gets. And and so um, I've learned to overcome a lot of things. I mean, when I say that now, this goes back to this, because um, Glenn, you know, you were competition bodybuilder, and
0: oh, well, he goes on about it. All. I know,
1: <laughs> I, and, and and I still feel bad for. Never mind. I poked. No, come on, go on. Go I, keep 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 yeah. talking about that bodybuilding,
2: yeah. job. Come on, go on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and and but you realize that you say, look, I, there's someone that looks really good. That's, you know, built. I want to look like that, right? Well, if they came up to you and said, well, you got to work out four hours a day, you'd go, really? I can't do it in one hour a day? No, you can't do it in one hour a day. Mm. Or maybe you, I don't know. But the point is, is it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of athletes or people that came from sports or whatever competitions that have gotten into like photography, they understand that concept of putting in the time. Yeah, and so I know a lot of uh, former athletes that that uh, understand that. And um, what was really funny is I had a professional, uh, former uh, NFL football player, very very famous. Uh, he was dabbling in photography, and he was he came to my workshop, and we got to become friends. And um, uh, we were chatting a little bit, and and he came to one of my workshops, and and this whole idea of fifty self assignments, he was kind of asking me about it and stuff. And I said to him, I said. When you were uh, at your prime in your, you know, in in football, how many hours a day did you put in to to get to where you needed to go? And he said, probably six plus hours a day. And I go, that's how many hours you need to put in photography. And then a year later, he came up to me and he said, now I get what you were talking about. Because it does take that tenacity. Mm. Because like my boys say that when they're in L.A., When you want to be a filmmaker or a director or whatever, there's a 100,000 other people that want to do the same thing. And so um, if someone's putting in three hours a day, then the person is putting in six hours a day, the odds are they're going to outperform them. If you put in 12 hours a day, the odds are you'll outperform those. So I always say that when I went around and I did a little bit of a a survey and I asked um, people how many... Self assignments, do you do in a year? And someone, then someone say, self assignments, what do you mean? Right. And then someone say, well, I wouldn't do a picture unless someone pays me. I have friends that say that unless I'm getting paid, I'm not going to go out and take my camera and do a picture, you know? And then, then I find people say, well, I do 10 a year and then I do, I do, um, um, 25 a year or whatever. And only a handful of people said roughly they say, yeah, about 50 a year. You know who they were—the people that were on the stage giving lectures.
2: There you go. Yeah, yeah. So le- ah, leading on to that, then, okay, because this is something that always crops up in the photography, and you've kind of alluded to it just there. This this whole thing about shooting for free. What's your take on that? Because I have always done loads of shooting for free because I thought, well, if I don't, I'm not going to get to get the kind of pictures that I want to work on. That I get fun from doing. So, yeah. How, yeah. what do you think about working for free?
1: Okay. So, so what I do is I say, I got an idea. I found an athlete. I got maybe a wardrobe person or whatever. And we put this whole thing together and I want to produce these incredible pictures. The athlete gets some, the wardrobe person gets some, the makeup artist gets some, we make this big collaboration and everybody wins. But nobody's getting paid. Right. That's Mm. a great scenario. Yeah. Now if a client comes to me and says, we really like what you did, for that athlete and we've got some new tennis shoes that are coming out and we'd like you to do that for free. No way. No way. That. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, so yes, for free is when it's a collaboration or it's a, it's, you're advancing your yeah. skill set career toward an end. In- yeah. Goal.
2: And I guess that the benefits That's of doing it, it's, it's reciprocal, isn't it? You're all getting something from it. Y- yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool.
1: But when it, when it's a client scenario, no, they don't get anything for free.
2: Absolutely not.
1: So, um, but you got to do, you got to do, I call self-assignments where you invest the time and the money to do it, to produce an image that you can put on your website or whatever. So think about this. So I've been kicking it in the last 10 years, like there's no end, right? So let's just say you add up the numbers. If I'm producing 50 self-assignments a year, and sometimes I get maybe two or three images out of each shoot, right? But let's say I'm producing just say 50 pictures a year that I want to be able to put on Facebook, showcase, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You times that by 10. That's a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, the Joel Grimes. Yes. Right. Yeah. A three light, uh, whatever compositing, whatever. That's why you know me because I kicked it in the butt and I made it happen enough times to where I could just feed the, feed the, you know, the monster or whatever of social media and just keep it going out there. If you don't do that, then you're
2: not, you're not discovered. Do you know what? This is almost like we've rehearsed this because I can see Dave, I know. I can see <laughs> Dave giving me the wink thinking, I know what you want to ask now because we've got yeah. a list here. <laughs> so you mentioned that this is almost looking professional. You kind of mentioned the social media. All right, so let, let's talk about social media just briefly then. Uh, you've been involved in the photography world as a pr- working professional advertising photographer for 40 plus years. Then social media is coming on. Now, has that kind of um, has that replaced what you used to do, or is it an addition to what you used to do when it comes to things like promotion, getting getting assignments, getting work, and whatever? So, is it a? Do you see it as a an addition or a replacement?
1: An addition, because there's still nothing better than a one-on-one. Yeah, nothing better. And the fact is, is if you can get in on a one-on-one with an art director or a photo editor or whatever, your odds spike exponentially that they'll remember who you are and whatever uh-huh. work will come down the pike. Uh-huh. So, so you want to go for the one-on-one. Um, the, the, I'm going to give you a, this is worth the admission of whatever it costs for your viewers to pay for this podcast. Okay. Which is probably free. <laughs> But I'm going yeah. to give you an insight to how the marketplace works that'll blow your mind. Okay. Okay.
0: Are you ready, people? Yes. Are you listening? Sit down. Yeah. Stop what you're doing. Right. Joel grab is that, about to speak. Grab
1: a bag of potato chips. And sit down. <laughs> <laughs> when you graduate from school of photography, or whatever, let's say you didn't even go to school, but you are perfecting your craft to be a photographer, and let's say you are really good at what you're doing and you think I am now ready to put my shingle up I'm a photographer open for business and you think that if you're a really good photographer you're going to make a lot of money or you're going to have a lot of clients
2: (laughs) it does not work that way (laughs) I wish people could have said that then okay
1: (laughs) yeah okay so what (laughs) happens is is photographers don't understand the client or the art director or the photo editor or whatever's position. So number one, they've already somewhat, if they're an existing magazine or a client, they've had photographers that they are have access to, that they've used or are using. Okay? And so there it might be, you, I always say, there's probably a, a list of five photographers that if it's a fairly decent uh, magazine or an art director, or whatever, he's got a handful of photographers that he's using or she's using on a on a you know whatever weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Okay. So you come in and you make the phone call or whatever, and you say, Hello, I'm I'm really good and I'm I'm available. And that person says to themselves or to you or whatever, why would I take a risk on you? I'm really good. Doesn't matter. See, because most of the photography needs that are being done in the industry are above the the your your skill set exceeds what the needs are that sounds crazy as a general rule your skill set exceeds what is done every day you got to photograph a ceo of a company and he's got to sit on the edge of his desk in his office well most photographers could do that I mean, that's not rocket science right um, there are some shoots you go, hmm, you scratch your head and go, well, that might be pretty tough. But most of the needs, eighty percent of all the needs out in the marketplace, you're overqualified to shoot. So when you say you're a really good shooter, that means nothing to an art director or a photo editor or whatever. So how is it that they pull the trigger on you? You have to know this because it'll change the whole way how you approach the marketplace. So, the so there's two ways they will they will pull the trigger. One is you are literally an angel from heaven and that you are so freaking amazing that they got to try you out. Right. Somehow you got your work in front of them and they're, you're just like, they're literally weeping in joy at seeing your images. <laughs> well, they're probably not going to happen, but let's say that's one way. Okay. The other way is when they're in a crisis. Right. Right. So oh. there are five photographers that they use. They're comfortable. You know, Billy Bob Jones is good with people. You know, Freddie, he's good with products or whatever, or, you know, out in the field doing this, you know, and all of a sudden their portrait photographer is on vacation and their boss says, we need a photographer for next week assignment. And the art director panics because their go-to person's not available. And they now have to take a risk. And who are they going to hire? The best photographer in town? No. The photographer that gets their name into their brain. So when the crisis comes, they pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? I call it the power of eight. You have to get your name in their brain. The more times you get a piece of promo in front of them, a phone call. I leave a message. Hey, this is Joel Grimes. I just sent you a promo. I'd like to, you know, meet you in person. I'd love to talk about your needs in photography. And again, here's my phone number. So I'm pounding the Joel Grimes name into their brain. My pictures mean nothing. I know it sounds crazy. I want to have good pic. I want to have good. Yeah, I want to have good pictures, but the pictures aren't as important important as the name Joel Grimes into their brain. So here's what happens. This is craziness. (laughs) When it comes to a crisis, if they they reach into the chasms of their brain to figure out a solution (laughs) and the name Joel Grimes pops into their brain, they think he's the best photographer out there. He's the most qualified because it made it in there somehow. If it made it in, he must be really good. Yeah, and so it's that's advertising. Is that
0: or really annoying?
1: Well, and so people ask me all the time: Is that when I market? Is it possible that I'm really annoying to you know as I annoying and obnoxious or whatever you call it? Annoying the the, the person I'm pitching? I say yes. <laughs> I want to be annoying because it gets into their brain, and so then they pull the trigger. Next thing I know. I'm shooting assignment, and then I beat out Billy Bob Jones because he's you know doesn't shower. He's you know he sleeps in. He's late all the time, you know. And I'm Mister On Time, you know, whatever. And so I win him over, and next thing I know, I have a client for ten years or whatever. So,
2: wow, so it's, it's a
1: crisis. You have to you 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 end up getting work off someone having a crisis, and they have to make a decision right away. And so I position myself in the marketplace to make sure that I'm there in waiting with the door cracked just a little bit for them to go and choose choose me as their photographer.
0: And you have to perform because if you don't, that'll be the first and last time yes. you work in that but town. But the thing is, is
1: I've developed my craft and the confidence of, of doing what I need to do. I've, I, that's a given.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'm
1: a photographer. I work at this 10 hours a day yeah that's not the problem that's getting work
2: now is this i'm hoping now is this what you've covered in some of the lessons that you've recorded for the academy
1: oh, absolutely i go for hours i'm so boring people are <laughs> going to be like burning the tapes oh wait no it's it's uh <laughs> tapes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're showing your age now. <laughs> they
0: would be, be throwing those X tapes out the window. No,
1: I go through this whole thing. It's, instead of doing it, I have to do it in an hour. Now I go through and I break it down little by little. Make it, what's, all these preconceived ideas we think are going to make us great photographers, usually all those are shattered. In fact, everything that we pretty much go into, I'm just going give you an example. When you got married, you had preconceived ideas of what that was all about. Well, that was all shattered, right?
2: (laughs) I'm saying nothing I can hear outside the door. (laughs) But anyways,
1: it's, it's not an easy thing to be a photographer, to make a living at this. Um, and one of the things that I, I feel very blessed is that I've been able to work in the commercial ad arena, the top of the top rung of, you know, producing images and, I've survived in that arena, and yeah. when you, if you would have said that at 22 years old or whatever, that I would be there, I would have said no way in a million years I could do that. Yeah, and I've been able to do that, and it's really simple uh, principles that I've I've been able to learn over the over time. But um, I have that, that history behind me. I know about usage rights. I know about um, you know the terms that come up in contracts, like you know work for hire. We go through all this stuff. I go through and how to build a bid, how to go and be. Competitive in the marketplace, how to do a bid, how to ask all the right questions, usage rights, all that stuff.
2: Fantastic.
1: I want to be a photographer
0: now. That <laughs> oh, no, sounds it
2: sounds fantastic. I, I guess I guess we'll one thing time. we haven't um because I want to mention this because obviously we kind of had a quick hello with Amy before we started recording this. Amy Amy's obviously a huge part of your business. She's kind of helps you out with the, the social side of things and what have you. Is that has that always been the case or as has Amy kind of because um, clearly she's been incredibly supportive, and that's that's been in, incredibly important to you to have that support for you to go off and do the the, the Navajo, the the going off to do the Harley Davidson, being away from home for that kind of period of time. Um, so has Amy always been around the, with with you in the business, and and also how important is it do you think to have that support in a partner?
1: It's very important, um, and, and I, I give her credit for that. Uh, being by my side. The thing that, um, you know, Amy, she always says she doesn't have an artistic bone in her body. I think we all do, but she says she doesn't. But the point is, is um, Amy gets my vision. And so when I want to take a risk with time and money, because she holds the money, by the way. She got a bi- <laughs> she's got a big pot and she just pulls me and gives me five bucks. She says, go have fun. But... Oh. When you go to your wife and say, look, I got to take $30,000 and go and be gone for 100 days. And she says, when are you leaving? Please get out of here. No, uh, no but I mean, that's a hard thing. I mean, that's a hard thing. And, and she's been very supportive in that. So it is, it is it, yeah, I'm very fortunate. And, you know, um, I count my blessings. Mm.
0: So speaking of Amy, speaking of going back to the family thing, um, a lot of people won't realize you've got your boys are in the business as well. So like my two kids, my youngest, she's a designer. She's like me. She's taken on what I've done. So did your boy, you've got four boys, yes, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah. So have your four boys just c- come into that world because, you know, dad's been preaching this and doing it and they've seen, you know, the results you've got or have you kind of pushed them to it? Or like some people are like, footballers and musicians go oh no no i don't want my kids to be in this industry it's so much hard work i'd rather they became something else yeah. so how have they adapted and where what's their direction looking forward
1: um well you know my son aaron was very interested in stop action video when it first came out we had, I had a little canon camera and he, he was doing lego stop action at 12 years old and then and then you know he'd kind of moved from there into doing some video stuff and then my oldest son ben is is just he knows the wow factor he knows the cool factor he understands the industry and so that between the two of them they kind of work really well together nathan he's a script writer and so he loves storytelling so they've all kind of worked together to build this the grimes brothers and they're they're building their they're chasing their dream in la and it's hard to see them suffer because they don't have any money, you know, they're barely hanging on by a thread. But um, you know, but I never really pushed them into it. Now I, I remember Nathan, I was sitting there having breakfast with them, and I'm like, Nathan, you could do whatever you want in life. You just go for it. And I'm going bang, bang, you know. <laughs> and then finally he looks at me and he says, Dad, you know what really sucks? I go, what? Having a dad who's a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they've heard it so many times, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it is, I try to encourage them, you know? And, um, and I think I have instilled into them cause they want to be movie directors. They don't want to be, you know, just doing video. They don't, they don't even want to be a grip on a big movie set. Cause they could go get a job right now and go in behind the scenes and mm. hold a big piece of foam core or something. And they mm. don't want that. They want to go straight to being movie directors and so they're working that direction. I keep saying, well, you got to at least hold the piece of foam core, you know, or whatever. And they're like, well, they do it, but they do their own stuff. But what I'm saying is they have a goal of going to the very top. And, you know, and I, I tell them it's going to take time, but they can reach that goal. There's nothing. That, I mean, there are circumstances that are unknown. And, um, but when you put in a lifetime. So I, I show Ansel Adams, Henry Carter Brisson. Um, Irving Penn, you put um, Annie Leibowitz or whatever. You put them up there and you say, what do they possess that you don't possess? What do they have that you don't have? And people go, well, uh, they were brilliant. I go, nope, nope, they weren't brilliant. Um, Creative geniuses. Nope, nope, they weren't creative geniuses. I go, they put a lifetime into their craft, Mm. 10 hours a day. And they beat it in the ground until they became masters. Mm. It's a lifetime experience, and you have to go for it. And um, you know, luckily, I fell in love with with this whole thing at, at uh, young as a young age, and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I had some rough times. There's, there's no question about it. But yeah. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it.
2: Oh um, yeah. Oof. Do you know what? I'm. I'm just. I, I could talk for hours <laughs> to you. I really could. And I'm kind of. I'm mindful of how long we've been talking now. So, listen. I. I, I don't, David. I think we should kind of. I want to leave people wanting more now, so we can do it. Because okay. we'll get yeah, Joel yeah. back on. We'll definitely get Joel back on.
0: Yeah, we need to get back on when when the academy is yes. up and running. Because I'm interested to yeah. see what the students, how the students are getting on, yes. and where yeah. is it taking them, and the feedback yeah. from that.
1: Yeah. No, I can't wait. Um, and we obviously will um, try to, you know, mix things up to make people stay on board. The, the thing I want to do with the start to finish is um, uh, I want to produce one cool killer start to finish a month, whereas big production, it's like going out and, you know, building this big set or doing something once a month, uh, being able to do that, record it uh, and then get it into a start to finish thing. So. I'm um, looking forward to that we're gonna we'll keep that going and then you know with any business you gotta keep your readers or your your subscribers or whatever engaged and I don't have all the skills to do that. I'm learning to keep, hire people and you know uh, on the whole social media thing we talk about that um it's a lot of work, yeah, and it's almost too much it's almost too much and when can I sleep right <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just it's you don't sleep. it's overwhelming. But uh, you know what I was going to say is I sure missed you guys. I know I didn't go to Photoshop Uh, world this year. Yeah. Yeah. The feeling is entirely
2: mutual, mate. It really is. Yeah.
0: We talk about you all the time. You've know, you
1: got to take a road trip. And, you know, so when I go to Europe, everyone wants to, they go, here I'm in Arizona, they go route 66. And, you know, that's up north of us here, but, and we avoid route 66 because it's kind of a dump. Um, But, it is kind of fun because it's junky, and you know you see stuff you wouldn't see anywhere else. But um, so you've got to come through the Phoenix Valley and stay with us. It, it, we we would. I, I, I will up. take
2: you up on this. Absolutely, I will.
1: We've got a pool. You can you can get your work on your little white tans. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I wear some sunglasses. Well, you got a, you got a
2: reflector that can be with you then, haven't you? You know, if I'll come over, yeah. Human reflector. <laughs> but
1: that would be fun. So I don't know what is there. There's another uh, Photoshop World coming up right in the fall.
2: There's uh, yeah. There's two next year now. Um, but I'm. Uh, are you going to be at Adobe Max? Are you going to be in that area? No, nope. oh, right? Nope. Okay. No, I did
1: it the last the last five years and. Um, I told Cannon uh, they were welcome to use me again on the stage or in, on, their, on the floor, um, but um, I said, "But you're also uh, might be time for something new." And then, uh, you know, Russell Brown I always helped him out on his class.
2: Well, he's doing a lot um, with mobile phones now. I noticed because we yes, uh, were speaking phones. with Mo- with Mark Heaps, and uh, Mark arranged this big photo shoot with with these real kind of fire dancers and stuff like that. And he said Russell's turned up. And all he's got with him is a mobile phone. He's like,
1: huh? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah.
2: <laughs> so he's obviously yeah. going in a different direction as well at the moment. So,
1: no, I kind of, I, I mean, I, for I started this last year, but I had to take a break because I was just too many events. So I've been averaging forty-five events a year. That's just too much. <sighs> wow. So that I'm cutting back, and um, but I still want to keep teaching on the road. I like it. I still have some stuff coming up, but um, well, I'm but anyway, I'm in. Uh,
2: uh, I'm going to be out in the states in January as well. Uh, I've got a Vikings shootout in the States, and then I'm going to Westcott to do some filming, so I might be able to time some stuff, and who knows? Yeah. We'd love to have you guys come. That would be good. That would be good. But, Joel, I mean, we'll have a quick chat when we finish doing this recording, but from me, and I'm being sincere now, I know we muck about and we get together and stuff, but genuinely mean this, uh, a huge thanks for everything that you do and have done because I know 100% if you hadn't been around doing what you were doing and sharing it, I would not be doing what I'm doing now, and I certainly wouldn't be sitting here chatting, chatting with you on the on the you know on the Skype thing. So I owe a lot to you for being well, so open
0: you. and sharing. So and the f- I'll I'll vouch I'll vouch for that because Glenn holds you in such high regard. It's to watch him talk about you is it's one of those things where you think God, I wish one day someone would talk about me like that. <laughs> well,
1: he thinks um, we're brothers. <laughs> 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 You know the crazy thing is notes. you look
0: younger than me as well which
2: is really annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no actually I, j- I have an eye I got a I popped a blood vessel. I was literally I was working out and and uh I've never had it in my life but it, it popped and it got really red. I have ne- never had that before and that's about 4 days ago and so it still looks like I've been punched in the eyeball. I t- I blamed it on Amy. It's got the, it's, was, you got the tough guy look.
2: You. It's okay. It, you, you can pull it off. It's all right. <laughs> but I, I am internally grateful for our friendship i really genuinely am so joel well, thank you thank you so much for spending time because you're obviously clearly always busy to come and do this for us as well i really do appreciate it as i know dave does as well so we've been really looking forward to having this chat yeah. and catch up because we did miss you not seeing your folks over in the states when we were there recently so
1: well, we'll hook up again
2: we will do but we'll have a quick we'll have a quick chat when we finish recording but thank you very very much
1: very good thank you. yeah
2: thank you joel